right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers here at The Athletic, and we are back together, at least virtually, because uh, last week we had two separate podcasts. We split up to talk about the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. But Jordan, we are back together again, and we've watched the Sonoma race. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It is wonderful to be reunited with you. It is always great to see your smiling face virtually. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if to, to take that seriously or not. Never know with you. But um, we are, we're, I am happy to be smiling to talk about the Sonoma race because I think there's a – it was interesting today. I, you know, I, I think there's some certain races where – um, you could have a car dominate sort of like the Coke 600 last week where you're like, Oh geez, you know, this, I, this isn't such a great race, but today you had a car dominate. And I thought that it was actually entertaining because the, he was being repeatedly challenged over and over again. And Kyle Larson had to, you know, he, Oh, he's restarting 21st. Wow. Look at him drive up through the field. That's to me, that's interesting, you know, or look, he's going to have to hold off these late race restarts over and over again. That's interesting. Um, so I thought that we saw somebody be challenged. We saw the best driver and the best car win ultimately and dominate the race, but it wasn't like, Oh geez. I mean, yes, even though it felt inevitable, there was still like, Oh, you know what? This is, this is uh, something worth watching today. Yeah, it didn't feel like a foregone conclusion like it did in the Coca-Cola 600. It felt like a black hole was the only thing that was going to keep Kyle Larson from winning that race. And while he had the best car today, it didn't feel inevitable. The, um, really? The wait, wait, wait. I got to stop you then. It didn't feel inevitable to you? I felt like it was inevitable all day. No, I didn't because of the late race, late race cautions to me. Because those things can be very hairy. You can go sideways in a hurry. You got. We saw it in the Xfinity race on Saturday. Somebody gets emboldened and they make a three wide move. And we actually kind of almost saw it there. There was, it was Elliot kept Larson honest on that one restart and Larson barely cleared him. So um, I wasn't, I was thinking that something could happen. We've seen this before. So it wasn't to me like he's going to run away. Now, if Larson got a clean restart and was able to get away, that's one thing. And he was able to do that, but it didn't feel like it was going to be a runaway. And I will say this too that as the race unfolded, really at the beginning of stage three, um, and we didn't, you know, we, we saw a lot of green flag pit stops and kind of different strategies unfolding. We didn't know where Larson was going to come out. And at one point, he did come out behind Martin Truex Jr. And they both had fresh tires. And Truex had a pretty good car today, too. And Truex had a really good run up through the middle of the pack. So, it, it, yeah, Larson was very fast, and he was in his own league at many points today. But it didn't feel like the 600 to me where it was like, he was head and shoulders above everybody, and there was nothing that was going to keep him from winning. Well, you're right about the late race restarts, cause especially on road courses. Um, you know, anything can happen. Um, but without those, geez, he was probably really going to run away with it the, yeah. as fast as his car was. I, I thought it was sort of fascinating after the race when he said, you know, one one of the keys for him was realizing that his car was so good that he didn't have to to, he didn't even have to drive it a hundred percent, let alone overdrive it. Cause he said, I could kind of drive my car 95% and I was still passing people. I was like, dang, you know, that's, that says a lot right there where, cause I, I, I guess I'm watching the race thinking, man, these guys are driving so hard and, and just trying not to make a mistake, trying to keep it on track. And he's like, yeah, I was kind of backing it down kind of thing and taking it. I mean, not easy, but, uh, he certainly You're made it look easy. It. You know, yeah. what's that? It was managing the race. I mean, he was, and he had those tires that were fading on him. And that was another point too, is at the end of the race, he made 
it was his, I think it was either his last pit stop or second to last pit stop where they said, you know, your tire, it was the second to last pit stop. And they said, your tires have worn pretty significantly. We are going to go four laps farther now on this next set. You're really going to have to manage it. So that to me, it was like, okay, this could be interesting to see how this unfold. Fortuitously, the cautions came and allowed them to kind of save their tires a little bit underneath the yellow. So it was interesting, but the, it just feels like this is Kyle Larson's world now. He's never won a road course before. He checks that box off. Before this year, he never won on a mile-and-a-half racetrack. He's done that twice this year. I would dare say, I know he's never won at Daytona or Talladega, but really, I don't think there's a racetrack or a type of racetrack where I don't, I'm not confident that Kyle Larson can't go there and not only win but dominate. It just feels like he is taking this next step, this leap, and he's becoming this driver or he is this driver that we all thought he was going to be for a long time. He is now it. I mean, he is – doing what Jeff Gordon did, what Tony Stewart did, the guys he's often compared to. Well, and now the narrative is completely shifted about this season too, because before it was like he was running really well, but he wasn't finishing the races. And it was like, oh, he's got all these second place finishes. And, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, Martin Truex Jr. on the 750s. Maybe he's the favorite. Earlier in the season, we were talking about Denny Hamlin with his big points lead, even though he hadn't won. Um, You know, he's the favorite kind of thing. But Larson now is really putting it all together because um, he's won two two races in a row now. But the the three races before that, he finished second and could have won any of those. I mean, let's let's go back in order. So uh, obviously he he won Sonoma, he won Charlotte, he could have won Coda. He was probably going to win Coda, but the rain uh, it shortened it. Chase Elliott in that race was going to have to pit again, and Larson was going to win that race. Um, so the rain took that away. Then you go back to Dover. Kyle Larson dominated that race. He was going to win. Alex Bowman's pit crew had the fastest stop of the year at the time. And, you know, the, all the Hendrick cards were so equal that one, two, three, four finish that we talked about. Um, so Larson should have won that race. So that really could have been four wins in a row. Darlington, I'm not sure you, you could say that he should have won that. You know, Martin Truex Jr. really had the car to beat, but Larson had a shot at Truex at the end there. He did. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so that's five straight top two finishes. Now, if you want to go back even further than that, uh, he actually dominated the Kansas race. I was going to say, yep. And it was some late restarts that thwarted him. And then he got into Blaney and it messed up his day and he finished 19th. But I mean, really the last six races in a row now have really been, you know, mostly revolved around Kyle Larson. Can Kyle Larson do it? Can Kyle Larson win? Um, This really, I mean, and now that he's winning uh, 11 stage wins uh, on the year already, which was the most that anybody had all of last year. um, Just, I mean, I really think that, Clearly, clearly, clearly right now, Hendrick is the dominant team and Kyle Larson is the dominant driver on the dominant team. And, you know, people are getting tired. I I see it already on Twitter of us talking about it. Oh, Kyle Larson, won't you shut up about Kyle Larson? Look, he's the story, man. He's the story. He's the show. I I said it last week on this podcast when when Dustin Long and David Smith from NBC Sports and Motorsports Analytics joined us. I wrote about it this week on TheAthletic.com and my power rankings of the top 10 drivers across motorsports. I compared Kyle Larson to to Kevin Harvick, and I looked at their numbers. Kevin Harvick had fewer laps led than Kyle Larson at this point last year, and we were talking about Kevin Harvick being a world beater. Uh, The average finish is a little bit better for Harvick. It was at least going into this week. To me, this is a Kevin Harvick-type season. I mean, at the end of the year, at this clip, there's no reason to think that Larson isn't going to end up with 9, 10 wins. I mean, it's very much in play. The only question is, is Ken Hendrick as an organization continue this ascent and continue this level of performance? We have seen it before. We saw it with Harvick last year. 
guys up, guys come up at the beginning of the year, and they come back later in the playoffs. And it's just it's ebb and flow. Can Hendrick keep this up throughout the course of the year? If they can, there's no reason to think that Kyle Larson isn't going to continue this and very much make a deep playoff push, which is something that he's never done in his career before. So you you mentioned Hendrick, and a point you made uh, while we were watching the race um, as Hendrick was, I think this is their fourth straight one-two finish. You know, obviously mm-hmm. as as a team, you know they're looking great overall, not just Larson. You know, last uh, a couple years ago, it, it was JGR um, getting the 19 wins uh, out of 36 to break the Hendrick record of 18, um, in le- at least in the modern era. Um, right now, Hendrick has seven wins. We're 16 races in. Can they catch that 19 win? So they'd have to win 12 out of the final 20 races. That's a pretty tall order, but they've also won four in a row. I think it's a really tall order, but I think it's very realistic. One, first and foremost, is all four of these drivers are capable of winning any given week, and they have the consistency to do this. If Kyle Larson isn't winning the last couple weeks, Chase Elliott is. So it's not like it's Kyle Larson by himself separating himself from the field. Chase Elliott is has been in lockstep for the most part with Larson and been in good in position, and Alex Bowman did the same thing at, at Dover. Also, the way the schedule sets up, with road courses this year, sets favors Hendrick Motorsports very well. We know how good Chase Elliott is on these road courses. We, we've talked about that ad nauseum. Kyle Larson showed today he's very capable of winning on a road course. Um, I don't think that number is on the table. It, it's a high number. It's very difficult to do, and you're going to have to have some luck along the way. And you also have to hope that no one else you know finds that missing ingredient and and starts to click off things. But why wouldn't this be in play? I I, I don't see it. If, if Kyle Larson gets nine wins this year, hypothetically, like a Kevin Harvick type year, that's six more wins for him. And then Elliott's going to probably win two, three more races at least. Byron's good for another one in there somewhere probably. And then Bowman's is very capable as well. It's a high number. It's crazy to think about it. But I, I think it's certainly in play if this continues. I, I just feel like we're getting swept up in – in the last four weeks. And, you know, this, we, we all know this goes in cycles. Obviously, look, if, if things continue how they are, sure, of course. Yeah. You could see Hendrick do that. You could see Larson do that. But, you know, I think these, these other teams, they're going to step up. There's going to be other crazy circumstances, crazy races. Um, you know, you've got a, a Pocono double header come up. You've got the uh, inaugural Nashville race in a couple of weeks. You've got the first race at road America. Um, you've got sort of, you know, now a one-off at, at Loudoun, uh, the first race at, at the Indy road course, um, you know, two more super speedways. It, it's just, there's a lot of stuff that can happen in these races. And, you know, the, the best car has won, uh, in recent weeks, but that doesn't always happen in NASCAR. And I guess I don't really have any evidence, you know, based on how they're running now to say, Oh, they're not going to do it, but it just statistically, it just feels like we've seen teams rise and fall enough that it's a big, tall order to think that Hendrick is just going to keep this up for the rest of the year. I agree with that. And I think if you go back to 2019 and you look at the year Joe Gibbs Racing had, there was no fall off. Now, Kyle Busch in the middle of the year stopped winning. But Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin were there to kind of pick up the slack. Eric Jones won the Southern 500. So – that's the thing is if you can have this across your organization, if you can be other people, you have a if Kyle Larson has a bad week and Chase Elliott's going to pick up the slack or Bowman or Byron, that helps a lot. So 
if there's no fall off, like I said, I, I think Hendrick can do this. They, they, they have the widespread high performance level that you need to do this. But, you know, I think you make a good point is we're starting to see some other organizations out. Kevin Harvick is starting to gather, string together some good runs. Kyle Busch has been very good the last month and change. Um, so there, there's, you start to look at this a little bit and you look at some guys and think, okay, they might, they're going to start to get together. Truex has been good in a lot of these races. Denny Hamlin's kind of backslid a little bit, but he's still in the ballpark too. So that that's the big unknown is whether Hendrick can continue this and someone else is going to step up. But looking at this, I, there's no reason to think that it's, it's not going to, at least for now. Well, I'll tell you what, it seems like the Hendrick drivers all work very well together and mm-hmm. that's been a big key to their success. I have no reason to think that that would change, except human nature would tell us that after a while, there's probably going to be some resentment toward one person winning a lot of races. For instance, let's say you're Chase Elliott, right? New guy, you're you're the champion. You know, you're you were carrying the load for Hendrick. You're the star. You know, you're sort of looked at as like the guy on Hendrick, right? New guy mm-hmm. comes in. You're like, great. It's going to help us or help our whole whole organization. We're going to win more races. Um, Every week you go to the race and he's the fastest guy and you're not winning anymore. I mean, yeah, you know, Chase won at Coda, but again, that was going to be probably a Larson race and that was the 14th race of the, of the year. Everybody's talking Larson, Larson, Larson. Uh, you know, I'm not saying Chase is going to be like jealous or something like that, but at some point, are you going to be like, I mean, imagine, imagine you and me, we're here at the athletic and the athletic makes some, they're like, we're going to add to the team. We're going to, we're going to hire somebody else. And, and they bring in this, this other writer. And all of a sudden this writer is just like doing every week. They're doing, doing like the best story. And you and me are like, well, this is great for the athletic because people are subscribing. This is wonderful. But people are coming up to you at the track and they're going, Hey Jordan, you're like, Hey. And they're like, I really love that new guy's stuff. He's really, you know, raised your game. You know what I mean? You'd be like, uh, this okay. happened to me this weekend, by the way. Oh, oh really? Oh yeah. I was at Bowman gray stadium. And I met a, uh, a, a a photographer and a news person, sports newscaster from the Fox affiliate up in Winston-Salem, Greensboro. And they're like, oh, you work at The Athletic. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I think I know your name, right? And I'm like, yeah, and I introduced myself. They're like, oh, yeah, you work with that guy, Jeff Gluck, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm that other guy. And they're like, oh, yeah, Jeff does a lot of great stuff. You know that? He like he writes a lot of big stories and new stuff. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> Like, yep. So, yeah. But I'm like, cool, whatever. I'm part of the team. Just happy to be here. So, oh, you know. gosh. This is true story. True story. Well, obviously, that's not true because you do all the news here at The Athletic. So, <laughs> they must have. I think, you make, I think you make a good point about Chase, though. And, I, and I'll say this about Chase. Is he's not somebody who wants a lot of attention. He's always been in the spotlight. You know, he came in a very high-profile role. You know, there was questions of when you're going to win the race, when you're going to win that first race. And it just didn't happen. And he's he's not somebody who is out there. He doesn't want to be out there. He's very good at deflecting questions. He's very good at not answering questions. Yeah, um, he, he's very good at just staying underneath the radar. And that's what he wants. I, I don't think for him and that team, I, I think they're OK with other people having the spotlight because it just lets them just go about their job the way they do it. And that's how he still wants to win races though. And he's, he's getting outrun by, by his teammate. You know what I mean? Like today he had shot after shot at him and he couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Sure. But, but last year, last year, no offense to Jimmy Johnson hit the, the guy Kyle Larson replaced chase Elliott was going to beat 
Jimmy Johnson last year. You know, um, Jimmy Johnson was at the point of his career where he just he wasn't running as well. Uh, and ch- so, if there's no Kyle Larson on this team, if Kyle Larson is still at Ganassi or, or whatever on a mid-level team, Chase is winning these races that Kyle Larson is winning because he'd be the best guy on Hendrick. You know what I mean? So, I again, you know, Chase seemed today like he's like, hey, you know, I really like where we're at. Uh, but he certainly wants to win races. So if this continues and he's like second tier, uh, you know, he, you know, it seems to have the second fastest car. And again, we, we know that Hendrick is probably preparing really identical cars these days. So it's not like the equipment is any different, but it's, I guess that probably makes it even more frustrating in a way. It probably does. And you have to swallow it, but Chase is also one of those guys who always says it's on me. I got to do better. You know, he's not somebody who points the finger at other people and makes excuses. It's always, I got to do better. And if you're getting beat by your teammate and the same exact equipment, Chase is somebody who's going to say, I need to do better. I need to look at myself. And I think that's okay. I think healthy competition is good. And I think that the attitude that Hendrick Motorsports has this kind of team first, it's evolved. It's no longer Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson on a pedestal. And then everybody else kind of falls in behind them. It is a team first mentality. I think it can help them. I think it's it's going to be hard to swallow that. But if you're looking at Chase Elliott, you're saying, you know what, we're running really well. Um, we're running probably better than we were last year at this time in, in some respects. We're in a good position to win a championship, and that's ultimately what matters. So it's tough. And I think if Chase's ego was different, I think it would be challenging. But I think he's the right person for this situation to kind of handle it. Let's look at some of the other drivers today. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. finished third. I really felt like for a lot of the race, the way he was, you know, charging through the field at one point, I was like, oh, he has the, he has the second best car, but I, I really kind of think Elliot ended up with the second best car and, and Truex was the third best car and those three best cars finished one, two, three. So really, I mean, I'm sure Truex did all he could. I just think Hendrick is a little bit better right now um, on the road courses. Truex was the best, the rest Logano. Um, I think he, he wasn't going to finish fourth, but he stayed out late and he was able, and I was like, why are these guys staying out late on older tires? Um, when a bunch of other people pitted and he was able to defend up there and, and stay with those guys. So that was, that was kind of impressive. Kyle Busch finished fifth. The Ganassi cars finished six, seven today. And you could argue that Ross Chastain should have been penalized for cutting <laughs> through there, uh, after he wrecked with LaJoy, but, uh, he wasn't penalized. NASCAR said it was all okay. So Kurt Buddish, sorry, Kurt Buddish, <laughs> Kurt Bush finished <laughs> sixth. That was a, a big, much needed finish for Kurt Bush after some recent uh, struggles for sure. Yeah, it's been, it's been tough for him. I mean, really you can look at his, you know, started the year strong, had a good run in the Daytona road course. And then since then it, it's just gone downhill in a hurry, finds himself outside the playoffs, needed a, needed a race to right the ship. And really for Ganassi, you go back to last week at the Coca-Cola 600, a mechanical failure for both Chastain and Kurt put them, you know, way down in the running order. Hendrick Motorsports took responsibility this week for that. But, you know, in those situations and both of those, I mean, those points you can't get back. It's great that you're, you know, someone acknowledged they made a mistake, but you can't get that back. I think Kurt's still in a position where it's, it's a must win mentality for him and you're, you're not going to get in. And especially if someone else below him gets that win, it's just going to make it really hard. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. kind of needed this race. It felt like this team's, you know, since they won at Darlington, was kind of going in the wrong direction a little bit. Um, the, the the speed wasn't there, the results weren't there, and it was just they, they were just kind of slugging along a little bit. This is a much needed win. You make a really good point about the road course program at where Martin Truex Jr. and that team is at right now. 
for a long time, Truex has been kind of the, the world beater on road courses. I, I know Chase is winning races, but Truex has always kind of been lockstep with them. But it's fallen off a little bit. And we saw it today. I think they were really good. I, you know, it didn't help that they didn't have track position at the beginning of the race and that they had to kind of scramble a little bit. But this is going to be interesting to see how this evolves because, you know, at one point this year we said, who, you know, who are the drivers? It, it seemed like this championship was wide open. Well, it's very clear now. Kyle Larson is is the championship favorite. And then who's in that next category? I would probably put Elliott in there. I'd probably put Hamlin in there. And, and I think I would put Truex in there, but I could probably make a case for some other guys as well. So it's interesting to see how this evolves the next few weeks and which direction we go in and whether these teams can start to adjust. And we're also going to start visiting some road courses here. We're going to kind of this road course twin here. Um, we have, obviously, we had Coda a few weeks ago. We've got Sonoma today. We've got Road America coming up, and then we've got Indy. So this is gonna this is gonna be a little bit of a game changer to see where everybody kind of stacks up on a, on a series of tracks that are both new and challenging. Yeah, and you mentioned Kurt Busch um, being in win mode. I mean, it, it's it's just he has to be pretty much at this point. You can't expect anything. He's, I believe, sixty three points out of the playoff spot, the last playoff spot, and uh, Matt Benedetto is the closest driver. He's 60 points out. So, you know, another disappointing day for them. Uh, he seemed to be running well at one point in the race, he was up there and he ends up finishing 23rd. So yeah, it's just an, another missed opportunity, uh, for them. Chris Busher is in that last spot right now. And, um, another solid day really, uh, for the RCR cars who were in the playoffs on points, Austin Dillon finished 13th, Tyler Reddick, unfortunately, um, he finished 19th, but that was only because he ran out of uh, ran out of a set of tires uh, when he got that puncture from Bowman. Um, he it, it didn't work out for him. He had no tires left, so he had to stay out on old tires. Faded, but he was fast. He looked good. So they're still pretty much solidly in in playoff contention with 10 to go. Um, but yeah, it picks up pretty quick here. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that you know 16 races down, All Star race coming up. Um, by the way, how much do you how much do you care about the uh, the All Star Race coming up this next I week? I have no feelings for it. I, I'm not saying I'm 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 not dreading it or anything. I'm just not anticipating it. It's just it feels very blasé. It, it, I don't know how else to describe it. It's to me. I felt this way the last few years about the All Star Race. It just it, the significance of it has lost its importance. Every you know the, the uniqueness of the All Star Race segments. You know, double file restarts. In you know all these these different things. These are everyday occurrences now in, in the Cup Series, and it's not unique. So you know, moving to Texas, a track that I think we both agree on is it's not the best. It's a challenge. Um, I, I don't have my expectations are really low, and it's just kind of like I shrug my shoulders and. It just feels very, I don't know. It just almost feels like an afterthought. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah. It's kind of weird for me because I think having it at this point in the season too, I mean, at least Bristol last year, like, whoa, also race at Bristol. That could be good. Yeah. It, it really, it really didn't deliver actually. But, no. um, but yeah, at this point in the season, you know, as we've just been talking about, Ooh, you know, the 10 race to go to the playoffs, a points chase and we're, you know, sort of in the rhythm of the season now. And it's like, Oh, the also races next Sunday night. Oh, it's like, oh, we're doing this now. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I guess that's fine. You know, I guess I'll check that out and see what that's about. Uh, I, you know, the format's so complicated. It's one of those things where you'll kind of look at it the day of the race and go, all right. So yeah, I need to refresh my memory on this. Like what's happening tonight? You know, Is there a cliff notes version. Yeah. And you know, it's just going to be restart heavy, some math. Um, 
you know, it'll, I'm sure it'll be a spectacle as it always is. And, you know, but other than that, I mean, I'm not like, Oh, can't wait to the all-star race. Uh, it's just something that's happening, I guess. So, yeah, I just shrug my shoulder. Like I said, it, it does nothing for me anymore. I, I'm, I'm really kind of over it. It's just, it's a race that it's, it's run its course. And if you're going to do, if you're going to have an all-star race, that's fine. Um, there's a better way to do it, I think. And it's just, it's, we don't, no one's begging for this race to be a taxes either. It's just, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, we, we know that that was sort of like the, uh, consolation prize yeah. for texas losing uh race to coda so um jordan anything else you want to talk about um nascar wise from sonoma before we talk about the interesting formula one race at baku um no i, I was i was entertained by sonoma i think we'll probably get into this more in the good race poll you know expectations for road courses can kind of go in different directions sometimes they you know people think they're really boring other times they can get really crazy and nutty to me this was a really good balance you had a little bit of craziness you had some strategy. You had some good racing. I, I was really pleased with what this was. This was a good combination today on a road course. Um, I, w- I was happy with it. Do you want to just go ahead and knock out the good race poll then before we move to the... We um... can do that. You know, okay. an observation on this too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, am I still winning, by the way? Do we know where the standings are? I think we should recap that. Yes. Uh, I'd love to recap that for you. I was just pulling that up. So, um, unfortunately... Um, you lost to the combo last week yeah. of yeah. Dustin Long and David Smith. I've got a point on that. Um, they have helped me. So my team now, it's, it's yeah, you I against, it it's you against the world. You. This is my point. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is, well, this, this is unfair. This is undemocratic. This is insane and hurtful. It takes six of you. To go against me. You've got like this super squad of people. You have to call in all these ringers. You get David Smith, who's like a math genius. He runs a literally a website called Motorsports Analytics who breaks down numbers like I can't even understand. And you've got to call him in to help you up. Whatever. Whatever. Look, that's man, what you need to if that's how you have to sleep at night, whatever you need to do, God bless. You're like the lone wolf. You want to go it alone. You want to take the guesses. I bring in, you know, I call to the bullpen. You know, I've got Whatever. Michelle Martinelli, Jenna Fryer, Zach Albert, Dustin and David. Thumb and so the score now is eight to eight. And the points differential of our missed guesses is down to 4.9. I've My team has missed by a total of 127.9 points this year. And yours has missed by 123. So you still have the tiebreaker. Congrats. That's great. great. Yep. That's wonderful. Um, but yes, it's getting very interesting here. Um, I don't know if we'll have to reset before the playoffs or something. But by the way, thanks to Big Joe Wall 72 on Twitter for, for calculating this. Um, so anyway, uh, my team won last week. So I guess uh, I get to go first here or. Yeah, whatever. Goon squad. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I wish I had looked up past Sonoma races. I know. Um, in recent years, Sonoma race really hadn't been too good the last few years. Um, it had gotten kind of low on the pole, and Sonoma's rep had taken a hit. I think this bounced back today. It wasn't like a classic Sonoma race, but it was a good race. So I think that that's the kind of race that probably ends in the in the 70s, you know, maybe a, a 78%, something like that. So uh, that's, that's where I'll go with it. Do you want to check with the other members of your squad and you guys can form an opinion and make sure, you know, I just want to make sure there's a consensus here. Or do they all get votes too? And then you're going to take the best one and whatever, which one is closest. That's hey, that's the one we're going with. Whatever. It's stupid. 
I'll, I'll just, um, uh, I'll take it from here. I, I appreciate their help because they've, they've probably won four times for me this year. Yeah, they did. They did. Oh, they, they absolutely did. David won last week. Michelle won. It's just stu- whatever. <laughs> I love this. It's great. Uh, so yeah, I'll go with 78% and that'll just be my final answer. What, what do you say? Uh, yeah, I was going to say 72. I'm, I'm going to say 75. I don't have a ride. It just seems like a 75% race. It was a good race. It was a solid race. I think people are going to fixate on Larson winning to, you know, kind of dominating a little bit, but it was a good race. I'm fine with it. 75. Yeah. I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit concerned that, um, you know, it's just going to be like, it's just going to be a little bit lower than 78 and you'll just fall into a win. Um, oh, cause I, I left you a big portion of the seventies there, but that that's fine. That's fine. I hope you enjoy your, yeah, your I hope your teammates uh, don't uh, turn their back on you. Cause you're going to get day. a group text with them going. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, F one like, man twice on this podcast, by the way, because of our poll, what's that? I almost swore twice on this podcast because of our poll. Oh, well I can bleep. I have a, a bleep thing that I can put into the uh, editing software. So <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we, we both got up early and we watched uh, Baku, Azerbaijan. Uh, that was some race because it was going to be. I was I was all ready to come on here and say because I think last time we talked about you did. Um, yep. I was like, I don't really buy Red Bulls thing no. yet. You know, it's it's sort of it's cute that they've you know they're up there and they're taking the lead, but I'm not really viewing them as a serious threat yet. You know, Mercedes is toying with them, and then they were going to have a one-two finish today for the first time since 2016. And they were what three laps away from doing so, and then Verstappen's tire popped, and chaos ensued, and really it sort of ended in a. Uh, I, I was texting Nate Ryan about this, so I, I don't want to like completely steal his. Oh, thanks his for thing, including but, me. Well, you, we were talking about how sort of it, it sort of ended up as like a NASCAR-ish finish, oh, like it, it it was it was a green-white checkered finish. They red flagged the race, which shocked me. First of all, I was making all, jokes about this on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it was like absolutely. I was like, wait, like they're, they're red. They're not just going to play this out under yellow. They're going to give it a finish. And then not only are they giving a finish, but they do a standing start. Like I was like, <laughs> wow, I, I can't believe that. Like they're really going for drama here. And then they got the drama certainly because Lewis just drives straight off the course uh, with his brake magic thing didn't work or whatever it was. And it was like, I was like, like literally said out loud. I was like, Oh, watching that, you know, I was like, this is crazy. This is a very NASCAR ish style, entertaining, uh, finish, not quite overtime, but close enough, you know? So that was, that was pretty nuts. I love it. I think it was great. Baku is always, not always, but generally one of the best formula one races of the year. It's always wild and crazy. And you see a lot of different things. We saw that today. Um, the tire issues were something because it was having flashbacks to NASCAR races of, you know, the 2008 Brickyard 400 was flashing through my mind. And, you know, the leader of the race, Team Red Bull, was literally telling Formula One officials, hey, we need to stop this race and let everybody pit for new tires because this isn't going to work. And yeah, I know we're leading the race, but still, it, it was fascinating to watch unfold. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Max Verstappen and your comments a couple weeks ago about you didn't think he was there. He, it, this is going to be interesting to see if he can keep this up. He's never been in this position before. Great weekend for him. Speed throughout the weekend. Um, has a, had a flawless drive. He didn't win the race today because he had a tire failure. Nothing he could have done. And if he can maintain this, I mean, it's going to be interesting to go toe-to-toe with Hamilton. On the other side, on the manufacturer uh, side of things, constructor, sorry to use the official terminology. Um, I mean, 
to me, we've seen Red Bull. They have struggled for the last few years to find two formidable drivers. Since Ricardo left the team a few years ago, they have not been able to find a second driver to, to go along with Verstappen. And it has messed them up bad because he's basically they've been basically fighting with one hand behind their back. They have that now in, in Perez. And Mercedes, however, which has always been really good juggernaut, always buttoned up. They've always had Hamilton, obviously. And, and Botas was a great wingman and always in the mix. Botas is, is gone. I mean, like his head is obviously not there. Yeah, he, what in the world, man? It's like, yeah. Should do you think Botas should should finish the season? No, like, I would make the really? move tonight. I would. Yeah. I was gonna tweet. I was thinking about tweeting this today, but like, and I'm not versed enough on the contract or anything. But I mean, I don't know if you're Mercedes, how you don't make that move. You you saw what George Russell did last year when he filled in for Lewis Hamilton. One race, hopped in that car, <laughs> dominate. Should have won that race. And, and showed his medal. Uh, if you're trying to win the Constructors' Championship, you've got a driver who's basically checked out and just kind of thrown up his hands and is, for whatever reason, mental. I, I don't know. It, it's just not It's not happening. It's not going to be there. Why would you not make that move and pull in a hungry, determined George Russell who wants to show the team that he deserves this ride on a full-time basis and, and maybe jump drive it? Red Bull did something like this a few years ago where they dumped their driver and they brought in Verstappen from their junior program, he won. I think he won his first start with the team, if I'm not mistaken. And it, and it gave them kind of a, a bump up. I would do the same thing if I'm Mercedes. If you, you you cannot win the Constructors' Championship with just Hamilton alone. You need to get some production uh, out of Botas. And the difference between Botas and Hamilton right now is too significant not to think that this is about drivers, not about equipment. Well, I'll go a step further than just the Constructors' Championship because – I think to win the drivers championship, sure. you know, Hamilton has got to have a teammate. I mean, like, like you said, the two Red Bull guys, yeah. like Perez is the perfect teammate for Verstappen right now. Like he's going to, you know, when they, when they talk about all the strategy plays and all the stuff that the F1 broadcast is so good at laying out, like mm -hmm. what's happening here. And you're like, Oh, okay. Okay. The teammate needs to do this. Um, you know, I, I think that you, you don't really have that right now with Mercedes. If, if Botas isn't, isn't keeping up his part. So you know, just to get Hamilton a better shot at it, I mean, you almost got to make that move and just try something because, like you said, I mean, he's – I don't know what's going on with them, but um, just wild. Uh, I got a, I got a tweet from uh, this guy, Matthew Travis, on Twitter um, He because he had sort of asked a question of, when was the last time Hamilton, Verstappen, and Botas all failed to get points uh, at all, right? Um so the last time that none of them got points in a race, all of them were outside the points today, um, was Spain in May 12th, 2013. That's 2,947 days ago that not one of them scored any points uh, all in the same race. So uh, pretty crazy uh, the way things happened today. And it was a really cool podium uh, with Vettel up there. I mean, that was really great to see him. Uh, the smiles there. That was really cool. He's rejuvenated. Like he's in a happy situation now. The Ferrari, you know, things did not end well at Ferrari. There was a lot of anger and bitterness there. And he wasn't happy with his situation and kind of being shoved aside. And there was, and his results on his end were not there. He was not producing like he was supposed to. But he seems very much comfortable and, and happy now. And you, you're seeing that on the racetrack a little bit. I mean, he was fat. He had a good run in qualifying. He probably should have made the final round. He just missed it by a whisker. And then today, a good result. So, and this is the second good run in a row for him. He's in the points. So it's you're just seeing a different battle uh, a little bit now, where he seems happier, and you, that's reflecting itself in the in the performance. 
Yeah, and and conversely, the team that he left Ferrari, like when Leclerc got the pole and you know took off, he had a great start. But uh, I had I was watching it, and I'm thinking I have like no faith that Leclerc is going to be able to hold the lead for very long. I just you know I just don't really believe in Ferrari right now. It just seems like there's always something that's going to happen, whether it's self inflicted or not, uh, speed or whatever, and. You know, it just, but it, on the other hand too, it was cool to see Gasly get another podium. He's a, he's a cool guy. It seems like, and a uh, good personality. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good day. I think F1 has been, I mean, what a great, interesting start to the season. Um, really the championship though, could have taken a big turn today had Hamilton even finished second. So they sort of got lucky and they get to punt another week to, uh, at least, you know, keeping it really close with the, with the points, but, um, Great start for for the the first six races for F one. Very excited. Great racing so far, and recorded reports we uh, might see two Formula One races in here in the United States. That'd be kind of cool too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Singapore was it that got canceled, yep. and yep. Uh, so that maybe opens the door for a second U.S. race. And I saw people get excited about it on Twitter, but you know what they'll probably do is just do like a second Coda race or something. Yeah, just leave I mean, all the that stuff makes there. the most sense. And you yeah. know, you, you, the only other track that honestly the only other track that could even host formula one in indianapolis right now and and roger penske told jennifer from the associated press that it just wasn't it really financially wasn't realistic to happen this year so if you're going to get two races in the u.s the only way to do it is at coda and the way the schedule falls singapore falls off japan is the weekend after that so you can move japan up a week and then the week after japan is supposed to be coda so it really does mesh well where you can just do japan and then two coda races without really having to reach you know reassemble everything yeah that's interesting well jordan um it was good to talk to you again on the podcast at the same time even though we were both hey. on last week's podcast and uh i'm sure we'll have a lot to say about the all-star race next week always a <laughs> uh I don't know, a pressure point for me and a trigger, trigger something for oh, me. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I this is going to be like, um, is this, is this where on the Bristol dirt ink scale does this rank for you? Like, I'm just, like I said before, I'm indifferent. I just kind of shrug my shoulders. Yeah. It is what it is. I don't care. But pre-race, you, I, I, right now I, I would just say, I don't really have any, like, I'm not getting fired up about it, but if there's a high likelihood that during the race, I'm going to be like very angry texting you. Oh, I can't uh, wait. Just like I was during Bristol Dirt and all that. So, oh, anyway. I can't wait. I, I angry Jeff is my favorite Jeff. Just angry, vindictive, swearing, vindictive. Mad. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you, there was. I can go back and look at the text at the Bristol Dirt race. I mean, <laughs> do you want me to dig those up? Yeah, I was pretty mad. I was pretty <laughs> mad. Anyway, uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, by the way, I, I didn't get to to say it um, on on last week's podcast, but. Um, some really, I got some really nice compliments uh, at Indy. People came up to me and said, "Hey, we listened to the teardown uh, at, at the Coda tweet up." I mentioned, um, you know, we we had some really nice compliments. We had a listener from from Puerto Rico. Um, shout out to all those people who who listen, and it's it's really been nice to see the the comments. I mean, we're still a pretty small uh, podcast, but the numbers are slowly growing, and we just really appreciate all you guys who are tuning in. I, I check the the download numbers every week. Um, and it's really nice to see uh, slowly, slowly growing. Um, I think of our Jordan of like our, our top 10 podcasts that we've done, you know, ever like nine of the 10 are in the last uh, or maybe this season, I think. So, um, yeah, Very we're, cool. we're, yeah, we're excited to keep that up. And 
Thanks everybody for listening. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, uh, we're continuing to churn out some stuff there. And you can go to theathletic.com slash the teardown to see the latest deal. Thanks everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next time on The Teardown.